Hello, I'm Ken. And I'm Nicole. This is Under the Umbrella, an Umbrella Academy podcast. This is season one, episode two, Run Boy Run. Nicole, hit me with a synopsis. All right, so in Run Boy Run, after sharing the story of his time travel with Vanya, Five hunts for the owner of a fake eye, but two mysterious assassins are hot on his trail. Great, great. we got to back it up a little bit, though, before we get into this whole episode. We have a few corrections we need to make. Oh, yes. Yep. So last week, we were talking about the number of children born mysteriously to their mothers who weren't pregnant earlier in the day. We said there were 49. There were only 43. So correct. We were off. Correct. And we had an observation that we totally missed that's pretty integral to the whole story. Uh, in um, the scene, uh, let's see, where was it? When Vanya was in... Toward the end. She's in the foyer with the foyer, I believe. With by herself. No, by herself, I believe. Isn't it right before she talks to Pogo? Maybe. I can't remember. At some point. Anyway, she's in the foyer. She, uh, at the house. She takes a pill out of a uh, prescription bottle. And that that's it. Yep. So, honey... Tell me, what, what were your first impressions of season uh, one, episode two? I feel like this episode had fewer questions, but also almost no answers. Right. I kind of felt like coming down off of season, uh, episode one. Which was nothing but questions. Which was nothing but questions and just like all of the, you know, minutia and trying to figure out, uh, you know, exactly what's going on. We come to this episode that's kind of like, okay, now what? Yeah, and there's not, there isn't really anything tying anything up from the previous episode. There's a few questions that are right. sort of resolved right, from right. our previous episode, but more just new tidbits of information and more questions. Right, right. Well, let's break it down a little bit. What uh, what's, what's one of the first things that came to your mind? Well, so we have the opening scene, which I thought was very interesting. It was a flashback when the kids are all kids. Um, and the very first thing we see is um, someone starting a record player. And this we've seen this episode twice now, or three times now, excuse me. And this always throws me off because you see a record needle and a record player starting and you think there's going to be music. But mm-hmm. because Sir Reginald is a weirdo, it's some guy talking about, it sounds like mountain climbing. Yeah, mountain climbing, or and I think some, self, some self-defense thrown in there, too. Yeah, it was very interesting. But then uh, Mom calls the kids into a meal, I'm assuming dinner. Mm-hmm. It seemed to be meat and such, so it looks like it was a dinner it meal. It looked pretty light outside, though. Was it, like, lunch? Maybe, maybe Reginald liked to eat at 5 o'clock. Oh, maybe. Who he's knows? Old. He's a weirdo, and yeah. he's very stuck in the 50s, right, so, you know. Right, right, right. Clearly, given Mom. Mm-hmm. But all the kids come in. Um, there seems to be specific seating, but it's not necessarily in order from what I could tell. No, it was just kind of, I thought it felt like it kind of random. Because yeah. Luther and Allison were sitting across from each other. Yeah. And they share a look. Yes. Very, very poignant look that definitely alludes to the fact that there's something else going on with the two of them mm-hmm. than just a normal brother and sister relationship, which right. we'll have Gross. issues with that later. Um, <laughs> so... Clearly, none of the kids are supposed to really talk. They're all silently eating. Sir Reginald is listening to his mountaineering Right. Some of them are reading. Stuff. Yep. Ben is reading. Yep. Um, and everyone else is just kind of, you know, Luther and, and Allison are giving each other looks. Vanya's just kind of sitting there trying to be as invisible as possible. Well, did you see that she's at the other end of the, at the other end of the table? Mm-hmm. She sits directly across from Sir Reginald. Yep. Who's right next to him on his right side. Left, left side, no, excuse Vanya me. is on the opposite end. She's at the other end of the table. You're right, because when because Five is standing next they, to his and father. And when they yep. come in and they say, okay, everybody sit, they're right across from each other. Right. You are correct. I have that flipped around in my head. So Five and Sir Reginald are arguing mm-hmm. um, about time travel, because Five can do his bamfing thing mm-hmm. that we decided to call it last, last <laughs> week. Right, right. And <laughs> he is able to move himself through space, but not necessarily time, although this clearly indicates that he can. Yeah. Um, he wants to try, and Sir Reginald won't allow him to. Do and you have he, that quote from Sir Reginald? I do not. Oh, wow. We should pause for a moment to find that quote, unless you have it. I do not have it. But <laughs> I know that he says, time travel is like slipping across the ice. And, or, I'm sorry, bamfing is like slipping across the ice, and time travel is like plunging through the icy depths, only to come out as an acorn, or something like that. Yes, close, something along those lines. So do an acorn and ice. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm there with you, yeah. 
Um, and so they were arguing. And Vanya keeps kind of giving Five looks like, you know, shut up, dude. Stop talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Five storms out. Right. Um, and then they kind of like pan to the kids again a little bit. You see Ben reading still. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as Five is outside, he starts running and the song Run Boy Run starts playing, which is a fantastic song, Which by is the, way. the namesake of this episode, yes. I'm sure. Um, and he starts jumping through time on the sidewalk outside. And he's actually like literally leaping into the next area of time that he's in. And you can see the seasons are changing and, right. and the decor of every all of the storefronts and everything are changing. But right. it's all still on that same street. You know, what What a time to have a, an angsty thing to happen. You know, right? when like, oh, let me go time jump a bunch of times. Uh, and then... Well, he's clearly very proud of himself. Like, haha, I did it. My father couldn't stop me and he was right. wrong. And then his final jump... Um, is to the apocalypse. He jumps and suddenly everything is destroyed and on fire. Um, he clearly tries to go back in time and right. is not able to. Not able to. So this poor 13-year-old kid is alone. He runs back to where the house is and the house is just rubble. Right, right. And this is the first time we ever see Five um, not being able to use his powers. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And this is also the the first time where we see the umbrella. that it's So kind of flying through and it's stuck on something and it's like stuck on the rubble and then it says umbrella academy in it there's right. always an umbrella with that um so this right, is the right. first time we see that in mm-hmm. the series which is fun um one thing i have struggled with in this particular episode so in the first episode when five comes back aiden gallagher does such a great job of playing an old man stuck in a 13 year old kid's body he does fantastic so then when we switch to this episode where five is still a child i have trouble seeing that he still seems like an old man in a little kid's body to me and i had a really hard time accepting (laughs) that this was a child in this situation yeah it was it was really bizarre i feel like all of them kind of had to grow up very quickly in that household yes um just for being so strict and just just crazy yeah definitely and I feel like Aiden Gallagher, who's a fantastic actor, I just feel like he's better at playing an old man than he is at playing a child. <laughs> right. We'll, we'll have to see how, how good of an old man he plays later in life when he's actually an old man. Yes. Maybe it'll switch and he'll be, he can be able to play like a young child. <laughs> <laughs> they should put a bunch of makeup on him. CGI him or something. Um, so anyway, we go through and he runs through and he sees all of his brothers and sisters dead. Not and yet. They're... He doesn't see them yet. He just sees the rubble and starts to panic. So what happens after that? Then it fl- then it flashes to the present. When when? And that's when he is sitting in Vanya's apartment and they're talking about the apocalypse. And Vanya's like super skeptical, and oh. this is like just after Five has shown up at her house after digging the tracker thing out of his arm. Yeah, is this where he says he didn't acorn? Yes, I think so. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah where <laughs> yeah. he he fell through the ice, but he didn't acorn because she kept yeah. asking why he didn't just come back. Right, and um. She's super skeptical. Like, she thinks there's something going on here. And mm-hmm. she kind of, like, alludes to the fact that maybe he's crazy. And that their dad always said that time travel messes with your mind. And maybe that's what happened. He gets super mm-hmm. defensive. And so she backs off, um, convinces him to stay yeah. for the night. And then she goes to bed. Which, at that time, she grabs her bottle of pills. And she takes, takes one of these mystery pills. Right. And it kind of feels like mm-hmm. um, she gets... Um, excuse me. Um... She takes one every time she gets, like, into a heated emotional type of state. Yeah, see, I couldn't quite tell yet if it's, like, an anxiety pill where she feels herself starting to get stressed out and anxious, so she takes a pill, or if it's more of, like, a prescription with a specific time of day that she's supposed to be taking it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because clearly she has the pills with her at all times. Right. um, In her pocket or in her desk drawer somewhere nearby. Right. Um, And then Savani goes to bed, and Five pulls out this fake eyeball from his pocket and Mm -hmm. then leaves the apartment right right right. yep i will um oh and then we meet uh hazel and cha-cha yes yeah they they're all mysterious they get this have this giant big old briefcase they get out of a cab in front of this really dingy old motel right and they walk in um and cha-cha is fantastic i love her outfits um and hazel is doesn't she wear like the same outfit she does but it's amazing i love it (laughs) This great suit. It's all tailored and just fantastic. True. And that, by the way, is Mary J. Blige, who is a fantastic singer and clearly a fantastic actress, as we find <laughs> out later. And then Hazel's like this big teddy bear of a dude. Like, he's yeah, just a big guy. They bicker 
Like they're an old married couple. They like, really do. It's hilarious to me. Like clearly they've been around each other together as partners for quite a while. Right. Um, they're you know both wearing their suits. Mary J. Blige like, looks fantastic. Um, and then they go in and it seems almost like it's just a business trip. Like run of the mill. Right. Well, and that's, it's really funny that, that you say that because I used to travel for a lot of business. And it's totally like that. You get to the point where, you know, you, you've got the guys that you're traveling with and you get to a hotel and it's just like again (laughs) just get me just get me in my room and i'm just gonna like pass out well and during the scene when they're checking in they finally only have one room Mm -hmm. and they they're clearly very frustrated by the cutbacks they have at their company and it's just like a very like mundane business trip conversation um the front desk has a huge package for them Mm-hmm. they ask for when they get there they ask if he's got a package for hazel and cha-cha and he right. does um once they get into the room you see it's like full of weapons as well as a picture of five as an old man right so mystery there right. and if that that particular one i missed it on our first viewing because it's the picture of the old man and we only see him once really briefly in episode one as five is coming through the time portal that he created before he turns back into mm-hmm. childhood that's right. five that's right We've but they, that's it. the picture they have yeah i caught it on yeah, this yeah. particular viewing um and then hazel hides the briefcase in an air vent in the motel room which he and cha-cha bicker about that a little bit apparently they're supposed to keep the briefcase with them at all times so mm-hmm. whatever it is it's very important true um and and he, he complains a bit about um, how much it hurts his wrists to carry it around right. and how tired he gets of carrying it around because it hurts his wrists. This is, this is a time where he turns on the vibrating bed and massages his back. And it's about the same time they're pulling a bunch of weapons from that briefcase or that huge box and Cha-Cha gets out a tracking, mm-hmm. a tracking yeah. unit that takes us to back to the donut shop. Yes. Right. Yes, yeah, and she and she also the other part when she's looking at the picture of five after she's taken everything out of the box, mm-hmm. she refers to him as one of their own, and how it's really weird to be going after one of their own. Right. Um, Don't they mention something like he's the best? That's or later. Is that later? That's okay. a little bit later. That's later. Yeah, that's yeah. later when they're talking about how he's the best, and mm-hmm. um, so the tracker leads them back to Gritty's, which is where five had ripped the tracker out, mm-hmm. um, and the police are interviewing Agnes. So. This is just like a flash from the motel room to Gritty's. We don't see Hazel and Chacha They're any looking longer. through all the stuff, aren't they? They're, they're looking through all the guys that are dead mm-hmm. from the from thing. The police are, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah the police are. Um, and then um, Agnes is you know, being interviewed. She says that she hid when she heard the shooting, but she thought that the five and the truck driver had both already left because she saw the truck drive away. So yep. she, because she thought that they were together, assumed that they left together. Mm-hmm. Um and she gets annoyed. She's talking to a female detective, and she gets annoyed that she has to go through all of this again because she just told the other detective. Um, it turns out the other detective is Diego. Doing his vigilante who thing. Who apparently likes to stalk police crime scenes because he's a weirdo like that. Diego. And then <laughs> it turns out Detective Patch, who was the detective who was interviewing Agnes, knows Diego. And um, she <laughs> happens to beat him outside of, the, of Gritty's, and she tastes them because... Because why not? She's amazing. <laughs> I would have tased Diego too. Um, she also alludes to the fact that Diego's not a cop anymore. Yeah, she said said something about it's not his. None of this is your business anymore. Mm-hmm. Is what she says to him because he's he's telling her that he he can help and he can he's a detective and he knows all this stuff and she was like it's not your business anymore. Back off. This is my job. And at this point, she's having him arrested. Um, and he's stuck in the back of a police car and clearly not happy. And then we see Hazel and Chacha standing in the crowd watching all of this go down. And Hazel's got an ice cream cone, which... Yeah, I totally missed that. I love it. Yeah, he's got his all ice three cream times. cone. Oh, really? Oh, I yeah, love I, ne- I never, I never <laughs> followed them. Um, and then we move to... Back to the house? Yeah, it's. I think it seems to be the next day because it's daylight outside. Mm-hmm. And we're back in Allison's room. She's packing. Um, and... Luther comes in and is talking to her and they have again you know just a cute little exchange about how she would tell her daughter about her uncle on the moon protecting the world and and how she really would love Luther to meet her daughter yeah um to me it sounds like Claire might be Luther's I feel like Luther has been gone for too long though you think so yeah or they haven't seen each other in so long. Because they haven't seen each other in a long time. From, like how from, long, though? It seems like about 10 years or so that all the kids have been separated. Because Luther is surprised that she even talks about him or even knew that he was on the moon in the first place. Right. But I did, the first time I watched it, I did kind of wonder if 
Claire was Luther's, but I don't think so. Right. I, right. I really don't think they had that level of relationship. I think it's been way too long since they have seen each other. Um, but Allison does talk about how, like, Luther's asking if she missed her daughter, wants to get back to her, and she says, yes, of course, but mm. there's things I have to do first, uh, alluding to the fact that she's not just going straight to her daughter. She's got whatever mysterious things to do before that. Mm. And then... We flash to upstairs. Um, Klaus is kind of having a nightmare. He seems to be hearing like echoes of voices yeah. um, in his sleep. I assume. Wait, upstairs? I thought it was downstairs. I thought he was on the couch. He's in his. his oh yeah. Uh, no, but don't all in the. I thought all the bedrooms were in the basement. No. Are they the upstairs? Or upstairs. Oh okay. Or yeah. on the main floor. Anyway. Got it. All right. So Klaus way, is in the living Klaus room. Klaus is in the living room in uh, in rainbow underpants. Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> because he's Klaus. So why not? Because <laughs> yeah. That's what he does. And. Um, so he's hearing these all these echoes of voices, and clearly it's like it's traumatic. It's a nightmare for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume, but have not been shown this at this point, that it's the voices of dead people that he can communicate with. Right. Otherwise, they're just echoes of. Right. Who knows what? Yeah. Well, he wakes up unhigh. Like. Sober. Yeah, he's 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 sobering up. He's not high anymore, and this is where he kind of starts like looking for <laughs> drugs, uh, and then there is a. A scene where Pogo comes in to ask about a missing box, and this mm-hmm. box was very valuable to their father. It had some yeah. very important information in it. Um, Klaus says he has no idea what Pogo's talking about, and then it flashes to... Wait, com- but this is when we see Ben, and he's reading his book. I'm going to get to that. I'm not there yet. It's But he talks to him before that. But this part is more he should fun. Have, about maybe he should have an orange juice, and uh, that's how he should wake up we'll in the morning. get to that part in a second. <laughs> okay. What's next? It's in my notes. Okay, what's in mine too? <laughs> so there's a, a short flashback of when Klaus steals the box from Sir Reginald's office, which Luther caught him doing, and he made him throw everything else away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shows him taking the box and throwing all the papers away, and then shows him going and pawning the box. But what I love about this is the the song Goody Two Shoes is playing at this particular moment, <laughs> and it's just it's all upbeat and happy, and it's so close. Right. And, well, um, close. Yeah, and he sells the box, and then you see him go to his right. dealer and. But he only sells the box. He only Everything sells the box. Else is in, and that's what Pogo was asking for is the mm-hmm. contents. He didn't give a crap about. Yeah, and he even says that the the contents are very valuable. He doesn't care about the box as long as the contents show up again. He doesn't see any reason to have to figure out who so stole it. So that begs the, the question, like, how much does Pogo know? I think Pogo knows everything. Which is really bizarre. I really think Pogo knows everything. No, not only everything about Sir Reginald and everything he did, but I think that he saw Klaus stealing the stuff. I think he knows exactly what was going on, because they've got all those cameras everywhere in that house. Right. So I think it's all about Klaus. But, okay, so back to your point about Ben. Alright, I have it yeah. in my notes here. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so Ben's reading. He's actually holding a book and reading a book. Now, mm-hmm. Ben's a ghost. So somehow he's corporeal enough to read a book. Right. Which takes us back to breakfast or lunch or dinner or whatever meal the family was having at the very beginning mm-hmm. where he's also reading a book then. And the book looks really similar. Right. Now, I couldn't get a read on what the book Ben is reading in present day was, but when they were, uh, I did some research on the interwebs and the book Ben was reading at whatever meal it was, was called the bet by Anton Chekhov. Mm-hmm. Um, the book is about a man who makes a bet about whether death is better than life imprisonment. So kind of foreshadowing there for Ben a little bit, because Ben clearly is attached to Klaus. And at this point, we don't know, does he want to be with Klaus? Is he there by choice? But he's always around when, Cla- even when Klaus is high and getting rid of all the other ghosts and voices, hmm. Ben's still around. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then also, to fun little fact, Chekhov also wrote a book called Uncle Vanya, which I thought was pretty funny, given that hmm. their sister's name is Vanya. That's funny. So, random little fact there. <laughs> but, yeah. So that, that's that's my take on the book that he's reading. That I, and again, no idea if it's the same book or if Ben has suddenly become corporeal somehow, just to right. read a book. Well, which seems odd. Yeah, I guess. I mean... Creature comfort, right? If, yeah. you, if you can only go a certain distance away from the person that is manifesting you, and you can manifest to do something, and there's only books around, why wouldn't you be grab? Right. Well, I wonder if maybe since he's you know reading this book at, we'll just call it dinner for lack of, or the meal where they're all sitting together. Mm-hmm. If he's reading this book, maybe it was an important book to him, and maybe, maybe. he had it on him when he died, and so that's why he's still able to right. physically read the right. same book. Well, I mean, and then I'm also wondering, that's what like, I assume as a ghost. Yeah, I'm also wondering, like, 
is life imprisonment better than death? Like, does he feel imprisoned by the whatever he has in him, or is he, or is he maybe the monster inside of a like human shell? Ooh, I didn't think of that. I was thinking of it more. He's imprisoned by the fact that he can't move on. He's stuck with Klaus. Hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. I hadn't thought of it from the perspective of because you you the we only know monster. the book from at the dinner, right? Yeah. So why would the book why would why would the book pertain to him as a ghost or as a manifestation from Klaus when he could be reading for his own? Because the creators of the Umbrella Academy are foreshadowing geniuses. I guess. I guess. <laughs> it's a mystery. We'll never know. Do you Except else? when I'm sure we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything else from that scene? Not that one, no. Okay, so then we go on to Vanya's apartment, right? Yes. Yeah, she wakes she, up and five is gone. Yeah. So, fun fact that I saw... Everything in her apartment is muted colors. Browns, dark greens. Everything seems everything very like gray that. and gray. dingy. Her typewriter is bright red. And oh. she has she has one post-it note that's bright green. Interesting. I did not notice yeah, that so at all. I'm wondering if stuff that she put a lot of emotion into comes up in color. Because if you notice, also sense. she lets in... They go through an exchange about how um, her... Uh, next door neighbor's dog isn't there because someone's cat. knocking on the cat. Cat. Um, isn't, uh, some guy's knocking on the door. She opens it. Turns out to be her violin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, uh, we, he shows up more, well, we get to him more later in the scene. Yeah. Um, but later in the scene, you also notice that there's pastel colors coming through the window of her when she's teaching him how to do violin. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm wondering if, if, uh, great emotion lets her see color, or or experience or, or color maybe experience the color of that um, that emotion because obviously she wrote her whole well not obviously but she probably wrote her whole book yeah we can assume on, on the typewriter yeah and I I would assume the post-it note has something to do with either the guy that's coming to do a violin lesson or something to do with somebody else. I mean, I don't. I didn't see her write a post-it note at all. Yeah, I'm curious what it says. I feel like I need to go do some research on that and see if we can find what the post-it note says. Right. Because now I'm really curious <laughs> how important that was. Yeah. So. So that's a super brief little flash of a scene too. I missed all of that. So. Yeah. <laughs> good, good job, Ken. <laughs> right. Well, you see, the, you see the typewriter like twice when she walks back into her bedroom and see, then when she comes out. See, my problem is that I get so into the story that I miss some of these little details, which is the point of this podcast, so I need to do better at that. So, <laughs> that's why you're here. You that's, catch the details that I, that I get to invest into the storyline to, <laughs> to catch. Um, so then, after, apparently, Ken notices all of this, um, it cuts to five, and he's at a prosthetics office, which, by the way, when I was writing my notes, I could not for the life of me think of the word prosthetics. It drove me crazy for like an hour afterwards Um, so it's like (laughs) scribbled into my notes here um and so he went to go try to find the owner of this eye um they won't help him they just basically you know he's a 13 year old kid wearing a school uniform they tell him to you know f off and he he does grab a guy around the neck he does he gets super angry and like tries to strangle this guy which again aiden gallagher is such a fantastic actor for his age he's only like 16 or 17 and he's playing this 50 some odd year old man who was an assassin which we don't actually find that out till later um oh, oops spoiler <laughs> spoiler sorry uh well they did allude to it with hazel and cha-cha saying that he's one of their own and he you know right right um we can always cut that part out later if we absolutely have to but i think it's important because he he gets so angry and you can tell like he's just barely restraining himself from killing this man who's pretty much just doing his job like why would he tell this kid where this eye came from like this right yeah you know, there's no reason for it all right um let's see and then while that's happening don't we go then we don't we go to luther going to the boxing ring that's next so first he um i am all out of order first we cut to the police station 
police station. Yeah, we're at the police station, and um, Detective Patch is talking to another detective, Mm -hmm. and this is where he's telling her that all the dead guys from Gritty's have records, and they probably killed each other, you know, like military, they're ex-military, they're uh, mercenaries, and they probably killed each other in some kind of turf battle, but the weird thing is the knife that killed one of them was left at the scene, and the prints match a cold case from 1938. Right. And... Given that five is the one that killed all these people, and we saw him grab a knife, mm-hmm. clearly his prints match some kind of case from 1938 of all times. Yeah, um, and Patch is like, "No, nah, that's crap. Run it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no yeah. way." <laughs> yeah. And then Diego gets brought in in handcuffs mm-hmm. and yep. released, um, and uh, Patch alludes to. Um, Diego being in the police academy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she says something about him washing out of the police academy or something along mm-hmm. those lines. Um, and also, her name is Eudora. Eudora. Eudora Patch is her name. Yeah, yeah. And that is just like the the the. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a name that didn't mesh the first and last name, like like as horribly as that. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I still love it. The Eudora fits her perfectly. Right. Um, and they, they chat a little bit, and she tells him just to back off her cases and just get out. Like, I don't even want to deal with you anymore. Just leave. Right, right. And she said that she will, like, put him in jail next time. Yeah, she for will. For obstruction. Really arrest him. It's not a joke. Right. Get over yourself and be a man, basically, is what she's telling him. Mm-hmm. And then we see Luther going nope. to the boxing First, gym. First, I noticed something. Oh. Um, is this when they... When she gets called out to another place, or she just—I think she's just looking over evidence. Mm-hmm. She pulls out a rabbit's foot and starts rubbing. Yes, her and foot. she's holding the rabbit's foot. Yeah. Yes. Which is interesting. So is she superstitious then? I would assume so. Most people don't have rabbit's feet unless they are. Maybe. Interesting. Or maybe maybe with something was. See, I feel like the the fact that she's like holding it just after, and this is complete and total speculation on my part. But given that she's you know pulls out she's holding it just after she talks to to Diego, who she clearly has a history with, mm-hmm. maybe it was a gift from from him to her, oh, and maybe. it was still special to her because they clearly have unresolved feelings or right. issues with each other. I mean, they incite rage in each other, which is <laughs> insane. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so then after we, we see the shot of the rabbit's foot, that's when we see Luther going into a boxing gym, and he's looking for Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out that Diego actually lives there. He lives in the boiler room, and he pays his rent by sweeping up, and he also apparently is a boxer as well. Mm-hmm. He fights occasionally. And he was fighting the night that um, uh, Hargreaves dies, yeah? Yeah, yeah, there's a poster in the, right, right. In the gym from that there, date yeah. and time. Mm-hmm. So I call this... Diego's lair, uh, <laughs> quote unquote. Lair, hole, whatever. Yeah, right, right. Um, and um, I can't help but notice that, like, all the other Hargreaves, aside from Allison, like, have fallen short of, like, what um, Hargreaves wanted for them. And, you know, I kind of feel like Hargreaves wanted. Um, them to all be like superheroes super great and all of them kind of shy away from that except diego diego is the only one that has become a vigilante kind of crime fighter guy i would agree except i think that luther still is like luther still has the mentality i mean mean, he was on the moon for four years i think you can you could say that but i think like he's a bad superhero i mean yeah. yeah i mean he's a terrible leader he doesn't like he's just like I'm just a little puppy walking around. I don't really we, know. We don't like Luther, by the way. In case you haven't noticed, we well, don't like he's Luther. Not, it's not even don't like. It's just that he's a, like, he's a, he doesn't do anything. Like, he's super strong and, like, he stayed the longest, you know, or he was crime fighting and stuff like that. And he just like, man, I'm just going to go to the moon. Like, okay, cool. Like, I, I don't know. It's, yeah. I feel like Diego almost, like, I mean, he does the vigilante thing, but he also seems like he's got something to prove, and the rest of them don't even care anymore. Like, Diego seems like he has to, he has to be the superhero that people recognize, not just that he wants to go out and help people. Like, I feel like if Luther were still on Earth, he might be helping people, mm-hmm. like, actively trying to go help people, whereas I feel like Diego just wants an outlet for his rage, whatever it stems from, to beat people up in a... Right relatively acceptable way but also to get that recognition and proof or prove excuse me that he he is special and he is a good crime fighter and right. and that he could lead the team right 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 
That's some very unresolved issues there for him. Yeah. Um, and this is where Diego throws another knife at mm-hmm. Luther. Before that, though, Luther's kind of like looking around in Diego's hole. Um, lair. Lair. Lair, whatever. It looks like a hole. Anyway, his lair. And um, he has a framed embroidered piece that is um, the the goggles that they would wear, the masks that the kids would wear with the white mm-hmm. down eyes, and it has Diego on it. And looking at that, I wonder if Mom made that for him. It's hanging. It's one of the only things that are like, it's the only like, decoration mm-hmm. in his entire lair. Well, I think he does have a real soft spot for Mom. He does, yeah. Clearly, especially from the first episode, you can see he's very protective of her um, and ha- seems to have a very special relationship with her. But this I thought was interesting. It's And it's the only thing that seems to be like, clean too mm-hmm. like it's not dingy and rusty and gross and diego did yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> right right and then uh luther waits for diego and mm-hmm. they have a don't they have an altercation at this point or is it altercation um, conversation not yet i think that happens in, in a couple scenes from oh, now okay. yeah because diego's not there yet this is just luther going in and poking around his stuff basically yeah uh, yeah next um it goes back to vanya's house um, or no, the Hargreaves' house, excuse me. Um, mm-hmm. And she's looking for five. Um, and... Isn't this where she tells him that she she has the number of a um, of a person he can talk to? Yeah, yeah. She's really concerned about him. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. back, partly because he left, but also because everything he told her before he left, she seems really concerned about him. Um, and then he seems to be questioning himself at this point like mm-hmm. he's like yeah maybe i am imagining it maybe i am crazy dad always did say this stuff messes with your mind maybe i didn't really see the apocalypse i should probably go talk to someone right. which i feel like in my opinion even from the first viewing of this he's clearly like just trying to appease her mm-hmm. but also why would he at this point i mean i know she's concerned about him but clearly he's been gone for like 16 years he went somewhere right why is it so hard for her to believe what he saw right, right. like i mean yeah it's terrifying and he wouldn't want to believe it but why i don't understand why she immediately jumps to something wrong with him or that he's imagining it when clearly he went somewhere for 16 years where does she think he went right right and then uh she leaves the room mm-hmm. and Klaus finds <laughs> Klaus. Klaus falls out of the wardrobe <laughs> in a way that only Klaus can like right. he just like 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 ragdoll flops out of the wardrobe and it's <laughs> it's fantastic right and he's wearing like a matador like kind of costume <laughs> yeah it's got little like frills? like like frills and like fuzzballs along the, the yeah. top and um five basically tells him he looks like an idiot and where I told you to dress professionally and he says this is his most professional outfit mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. they they have to go find something in Hargreaves closet because apparently um Klaus is now going to pretend to be five's father yeah at this point and they have like a little exchange about um how they needed a backstory and like he met his mother <laughs> when they were like 16 in a bathroom or something like that uh-huh. yeah and doesn't doesn't know where she is but he loves his boy and <laughs> yeah don't, don't make him put him in timeout. Yes, it's a very like Klaus backstory. Very important to him, apparently. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then he talks about um, when he's going to get paid for, right. for doing this. 20 so, bucks. Yeah, so clearly Five is paying Klaus to help him. Right. Um, and then it switches to, and this scene was a little a little sad, a little hard to um, um, watch because the truck driver gets back to his shop. The, the Ishmael, that was his name? His name's Ishmael. Oh my god, I totally missed that. Okay, so Ishmael, um, <laughs> who seems like a pretty nice dude, um, yeah, he, gets, he gets back to his shop and he's attacked by Cha-Cha and Hazel because they had overheard Agnes talking about how the truck driver and Five left together. Mm-hmm. Um, so they found him and then it cuts a little bit further and they're torturing him. He's hanging from right. you know, something on, with chains and they've got pliers and wrenches and car batteries and all kinds of stuff and um so it becomes clear at this point they think that he's adult five and that's mm-hmm. when they're asking they're like you were the best like how did you do the like how did you pull off madrid or right. some Prague or something like that um how did you do this and they slowly start realizing that he's not five mm-hmm. um but in between all of this hazel is eating again eating um, tuna fish sandwich tuna fish sandwich he's very upset there's no mayonnaise on it yeah who, who does that? Like, I would be pissed about oh, that, too. Who wouldn't put mayonnaise on tuna? That's just weird. There's no reason for that. In, just a yeah. dry So he kind of deserves a little bit. Um, <laughs> and then they, he finally, the truck driver, Ishmael, finally figures out, like, right. that they're not, they're 
well, he already knew that he wasn't the person they were looking for, but he finally figures out they're looking for the kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, Cha-Cha and Hazel finally figure out what's going on as well, that the kid is five. um, And all he can tell them is that the kid was looking for some department store. Right. Well, and also they, they, they were asking like, uh, how how come he's young now? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Hazel said that um, time traveling without a, uh, is rough without a briefcase, even without a briefcase, yeah. without a briefcase, even more so, or something like that. Yeah. So so now we know that the briefcase is important to time travel. Yeah. Not just some random briefcase they're carrying around. Right, right, right. Uh, so poor Ishmael is being tortured, and we don't really see him again. Um, and then it cuts back to the house, and Allison's on the phone with Patrick, her mm-hmm. ex-husband. Um, Allison has family problems. Yes, she <laughs> definitely does. Um, she is talking about, like, they're clearly arguing, mm-hmm. um, and she talks about how she's sure she could, you know, the judge would understand that she missed a session mm-hmm. um, because her father died, and she had to go to his funeral, and her ex clearly does not agree. Um, he's just angry her for missing whatever session this is. I assume it's some kind of court-ordered therapy or um, supervised visitation with her daughter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he won't let her talk to Claire. She right. asks and he says, nope, you missed. Can use her power. Yep. Um, and yeah, she she still has never shown her, her powers other than that, that one flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, Vanya overhears and like asks if she's okay, kind of like tries to be sisterly, and Allison takes all of her frustration and anger yeah. with Patrick and her situation out on Vanya. Yeah. And pretty, pretty, uh, pretty harsh sister talk. Yeah. And like, pretty, like basically says like, you don't love anyone. No one loves you. So you have mm-hmm. no idea what I'm feeling, which I mean, it's true. I mean, Vanya doesn't understand because she, Allison hasn't explained to her and Vanya doesn't have a husband or a child or anything like that. So she can't really understand, but she's still her sister and wants to help. Yeah. And Allison's kind of bitch in this scene. I mean, right. she's upset. I get it, but still, Kind of bitch to Vanya. Yeah. Which seems to be the I theme of the family. I think a lot of people, yeah, I don't think very many people like Vanya that much. No, I think, I feel like because of how they were raised, she was kept so separate from them, so they don't have that same closeness that the other kids had. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the other kids were like pitted against each other, made to compete, but they also were all part of the Umbrella Academy. They were all part of the same team, and Vanya wasn't part of that team. She was right. always kind of by herself, and then she wrote that book to top it off. Mm-hmm. Um, with all the family secrets and everything. So I think that they all harbor a lot of resentment for that. And probably some resentment for the fact that she didn't have to deal with Sir Reginald in the same way the rest of them did. Like, he was clearly right. really hard on all of his kids, but he expected so much out of More. the Umbrella Academy. Um, right. And, like, in their abilities and taking all these people out that I feel like they probably resent her for not having had that experience with him as well. Right. Whereas I would imagine she resents them for getting the attention which mm-hmm. he didn't get. Right. Yeah, yeah. Family suck, y'all. <laughs> right. <laughs> Especially when you have a father like Sir Reginald who bought you as a child to turn you into a crime-fighting team. Yeah. Obviously, it's rough. Yeah, you know. Billionaires be billionaire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what's next? Uh, next, it cuts back to the prosthetics office, which, personally, I think is the best scene in this entire episode. This is mm-hmm. where Klaus is pretending to be Five's father, and he and Five are trying to get the director, owner, or whatever the prosthetics office to give him the name of the person who has the eye. Um, And he's telling him, no, you don't have any right to that information. I'm not going to give you this information. So Klaus decides to fake an assault and um, saying, you know, like, how dare you strike my child? And this guy is just like, what are you talking about? So Klaus hits five and (laughs) splits his lip. (laughs) It's kind of a very lucid uh, time for Klaus right now. It really is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, super and, lucid. Well, and then like, so like he starts yelling at prosthetics guy, mm-hmm. um, and accusing him of assaulting his child. And then Klaus takes a snow globe that's sitting on the desk and smashes his own head with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then calls security and says that the doctor actually calls security first, and then oh, that's Klaus right. Takes, Klaus took the phone. So, so Klaus takes the phone. <laughs> he just he full-on committed to blackmailing this man (laughs) we have to back up a little bit though because i I forgot something i've written down um that i just wrote in my notes foreshadowing for season two Ooh, which one but back with the sister talk Mm -hmm. she uh allison is saying like do you have um someone uh, a woman in your life or a girl in your life that you would do anything for and all you want to do is get back to her and I feel like that's foreshadowing for season two. 
Oh. Spoiler no, alert. Spoiler, yes. But knowing... <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Yeah, I think that's... Ken's cheating here, guys. We're supposed to go into this pretending like we haven't seen any other episodes. But... Yes. She also says something, which is another moment of foreshadowing for this season, not next season, uh, about losing her voice and not having a voice during this argument. Huh. Allison says something about, like, to Vanya about how awful it is to not have a voice. Huh. Which becomes very important. It does. Later. More spoilers. Yeah. So we, we, we go back, for, go, go forward in the thing now. Uh, Klaus um, and um, Five and the Doctor are all looking through files now. Yes. Yep. They they looked at the um, manufacturing ID on mm-hmm. the eye, and now they're going through the files. Um, and so the um, the Doctor finds nothing. He says this eye hasn't even been manufactured yet at all. So he has no idea where it came from or how Five got it. It matches their IDs, but hasn't been created yet which yeah. five thinks is crazy because um it's supposed to be given to someone in the next seven days right so he says that it's impossible that it has been manufactured yet because someone is going to lose an eye and have this particular prosthetic eye within the next seven days right we don't really know how he i feel like i feel like yet. we in the first episode it's like oh eyeball right and this mm-hmm. episode's like eyeball and then we get to this part and it's like Eyeball. Like what? Like yeah. I kind of feel like I kind of feel like at this point it's kind of be turning into like this red herring type of thing where it's like, okay, I've got this eyeball. Mm, now what do I do with it? Like yeah. they literally hit a dead end there. Well, and I also one thing is that I found really annoying in in this episode in particular, but it got more so throughout the rest of the season, is that Five doesn't let anybody in on what's going on. He tells Vanya about the apocalypse, but doesn't tell her like I found this eye. Right. Somehow it's connected. Like he doesn't tell any of right. them. Right. Well, what's I think going that's, on. I think that also has to do with like the time travel paradox and stuff like that. Where, you know, if you, you know, you, you tell someone like something's going to happen, and then they go and change the future, which is interesting. But like, you think in this circumstance he'd want that? Well, maybe, but maybe it, it turns for the worst, and he's just in like maybe he knows. I mean, he was a time traveler that. Like, if you start changing stuff before the, the event, it changes completely. So maybe he's trying to keep the eyeball his main um, clue. And if he starts telling people about the eyeball and, like, what it was for and where it was stuff, then he's going to start changing the future because other people know about the eyeball. Maybe. I don't know. I still feel like he needs to tell his brothers and sisters more about what's going on. But there is a, a cute little scene outside before he bails on Klaus, um, which happens. He bamps into a taxi and rides away. Um, but he, Klaus is asking, like, if he was really alone for all this time and how did you survive? And he says, you know, we, we ate scraps of whatever we could find and we scrounged and blah, blah, blah. Um, and the, we see a little bit more of that. In he asks with who, though? Yeah, exactly. He says, he says you said we. Who is? Who are you talking about? He says Dolores. And he says that he was with Dolores for 30 years. 30 years. And he's already mentioned Dolores once before as someone that he talked to about his time travel and the equation to get back to his family. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly Dolores is someone that he bounces ideas off with, right. um, which becomes very important in just a couple of minutes. Right, right. Just <laughs> like literally just a few minutes. <laughs> um, and then that's when he bamps into the, the taxi and rides away. And Klaus is upset because he wanted his money. He was hungry. He wanted some pancakes for his dummy, mm-hmm. um, as he says, or waffles. Pancakes, I think he said. Um, and he also wanted to go get high. Yeah, <laughs> so right. he needed that money. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. And this is where we go back to Vanya's apartment. She's playing her violin in the no, window. No, she's finishing up. She's finishing up violin lessons with the guy. No, not yet. This is where we see Leonard for the first time. No. Yes, this is where Leonard shows up. So Vanya is in her apartment after having talked with Five. She's back in her apartment and is playing the violin and she's standing in the windows and there's all this light streaming through the blinds onto her. Hmm. Um, and then this is where... Colored light. This is where I saw the colored light. Yeah, yeah. This is what you're talking about. And then she, there's a knock on her door and she's yelling that, you know, Mrs. So-and-so, the cat isn't here. I don't know what you're talking mm. about. Um, and the knock comes again. So she goes up the door and there comes Leonard, who just has a weird vibe. Like, this guy just does not seem normal. Yeah, super weird. Yeah. Like, I mean... I don't even know what it is. Like, he just like shows up. He's he's older guy, learning how to play violin, which is not like a bad thing to like, you know, try to better yourself and try to learn new things. But 
Man, isn't like the violin like super hard to learn? It is. And yes. like you I played to... the violin as a child very poorly, and it is very hard to learn. Yeah, and isn't it like people like dedicate their lives to like learning like the violin and everything like that, and then in comes this guy who's just like, oh yeah, I'm well, gonna take these violin lessons. He kind of mentions that a little bit. Like he tells her that um, they have like some awkward small talk and kind of like joking about the cat and how she's surprised because most of her students are really young. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh yeah, it's kind of weird, huh? And she's like, no, no, it's not weird at all. And they, at the end of the lesson, which we're kind of skipping one little scene here, but that is fine. Um, they, when they're finishing up, he tells her he's starting to play because his father loved the violin and passed away a while ago. Um, which I feel like was kind of like a very big, I don't know, moment there when he's talking about how his father passed away recently when her father just died earlier mm-hmm. that week. Um, and he's trying to understand him better by learning the violin because the violin was so important to his father. Um, and also, one question I had at this point, why on earth is she letting him play her violin? Clearly this, like, maybe no, she, she has... No, she gives him a, uh, she takes her, her own violin because she's playing mm-hmm. the violin in the beginning. And then when they when he picks it up in the middle of that scene, he picks it up and starts plucking on it, and she takes that one away from him and says, "We're going to use this other one." Oh, did she give him a different one? one? Okay, I didn't yeah, see the switch another, because yeah. I was wondering. Because I mean, like I said, I played very poorly as a child, but a violin is super important to the violinist, and if it's the one mm. that you use for performances, no one touches it. That's, right, right. Yeah, no, no one, no one else touches that. it. Um, and then he invites Vanya to his woodworking shop, and. It's very awkward and strange, and also because I have the mind of a twelve-year-old, very innuendo-laden that he's inviting her to what? his wood shop, and just made me laugh. <laughs> I I had to giggle like a twelve-year-old. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, I kind of like. I think what makes it so awkward is that the whole scene seems manufactured. Yeah, it seemed like I feel like Vanya was very thrown off by just by everything with Leonard. Like I feel like he was trying very hard to seem like he was comfortable and seem like he was just there. Like, this is so totally casual. And clearly he's something going on there. Like, I felt very much like it was, you know, like a, a duck in the water where the duck looks fine, just like swimming around, but like its little legs are going yeah, crazy underneath. Like, and He's just improving his little heart yeah, out. Yeah, like there's a lot more going on than than we're seeing right now yeah. with Leonard specifically. Vanya just kind of seems like, you know, it's a lesson. This guy's kind of, kind of weird, but whatever. It's money. So mm-hmm. move on. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So Leonard, ugh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> finally someone I hate more than Luther. Yeah. Already. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting um, though, is the colors in the windows. Um, there's yellow and red mm-hmm. and Vanya's in the yellow. And it's a lot more bright. Leonard's in the red. Yeah. With I, this scene. I had that too. Um, much more light in the windows in the bedroom. Yeah, she's still very pale, and her clothes are very right. like monochromatic. But there's just more light in the room. Yeah, and when she scene. leaves, um, like when when Leonard leaves this scene, like he she lets him out, and you look back toward the bedroom. This is where I noticed the sticky note. Oh, okay. And yeah. And the bedroom is super bright, like compared to I the kitchen. I noticed that. Yeah. Interesting. Probably busy writing my mountain of notes here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a little scene like in the middle of this that we kind of skipped here briefly um, is when Diego shows back up at the boxing mm-hmm. alley meet, whatever it's called, studio. Gym, yeah. thank you. Gym. Boxing gym. That is what I was looking for. Clearly, I am really good with the sports. Bo- bo- boxing um, studio. <laughs> like it. That's what we're going to call it for now. It's boxing studio. Boxing studio. Um, anyway, he's going to his, his lair. His lair. And he notices the door is open. It's only open just a couple of inches. And but he has a hair that he's taped to the side of mm-hmm. the door that he notices is broken. Yeah, which I've read about people doing that before and, you know, like spy novels and things like that that I read because, you know. It's fun. Uh, but I've never actually seen it done, like, okay, in a so video I'm wondering, or anything. I'm wondering. So it was very interesting. I'm wondering if that's, like, a really old school way to tell people have been, like, somewhere. Like, instead, like, you know, now we have, like, security systems with, like, trip alarms and stuff like that. But back before they had that kind of thing, like, do you think, like, private eyes, quote unquote, were, like, putting, like, little strings in front of their door and, Maybe. Like, I just stuff? think Diego's Cause, weirdly paranoid. Because Har- Hargreaves is, like, super old school guy. So I'm wondering if, like, you know, part of training was like, well, this is how you figure out if someone's been in your place. You know, that kind of stuff. Maybe it's one of those weird, creepy albums that mom plays during dinner. Right, right. <laughs> that too. Um, but yes, I did write that he is super paranoid. Yeah. And so, like, you know, the door is just 
just crack, just a few inches. Mm-hmm. And Diego throws a knife through and does his metal bending thing, yeah. um, and ends up grazing Luther's ear. Yeah. Like it does. Like he like he makes his knife do like two full ninety degree. Yeah, turns. I'd like to point out that Diego, I feel like, is the only one that's practicing his power. As yeah, well. I think you're right. Allison gave up hers or mm-hmm. hasn't used hasn't it. Hasn't used since it that we've seen. Um, Vanya doesn't even have powers at this point. Um, yeah, ben can't do anything, and Klaus is always Klaus refuses to commune with the dead. Commune with the dead, and is always high. Mm-hmm. And Luther just bumps around the house like yeah and, and bumps around up in the moon five uses his powers though i mean but well but this, no, for five for, they're for, almost for like the original, a way of life though right like i think five has like completely embraced his mm-hmm. his thing right but but the other the others like the, the guys that have stayed and are the right age for their bodies and <laughs> that who are 53 <laughs> year old men trapped in 13 year old bodies right Diego is the only one that's like practices power. It's true. Like I feel like he's the only one that's, that's like yeah. that actively goes out and like. Which I feel like also it's super important to him. Like I feel like his power is his identity. Right. I think yeah. I think that's it. Whereas I think Luther tries to downplay his power. Allison doesn't use hers any longer. Apparently, mm-hmm. um, five is just kind of second nature to him he just does it but he kind of you know he spent so many years on his own using his power so that's a little a little different there but yeah, yeah diego it seems to be like that's his identity yeah um and then during this particular scene when <laughs> diego comes in and luther is like what the hell man you could have killed me and he was like i knew it was you i would if i wanted to kill you i would have which right. i completely believe that just based on the fact that diego made a knife bend right two 90 degree angles and still just graze his brother's ear. Sure, sure, So, sure. yeah. So clearly he could have killed if he really wanted to. Um, this is where they discuss that Diego had an alibi for the night their father died. And Luther's like, why didn't you just tell me? And Diego says, well, because I shouldn't have to. Like, right. I don't have to prove to you that I didn't kill our father, which, I mean, Diego's a little paranoid and weirdly suspicious, so, yeah. Right. I feel like, yes, yeah, maybe, maybe he should have. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, so see... So we have that, and then we cut back to the end of um, the um, scene with Vanya mm-hmm. and the guy. Leonard. Leonard. Yes, thank you, Leonard. Leonard. Um, and then we see a sticky note, which I it's eating me on the inside of what the freaking sticky we're note to, says. We're going to have to try to figure this out. I, yeah, and I'm not sure. I looked hard, and I never really saw what it said or if it said anything. But... Like I said, it's there's the red typewriter and there's the green sticky note, and I don't know what it is. Um, and then we go where we go from here. Um, back to the a, house. Back to the house with yep. Pogo. Allison is smoking in the attic window, right. um, and Pogo finds her, and right. she's like, "How did you find me?" And he was like, "You're upset. You're always up here when you're upset." Right. And and then because um, Pogo knows everything. Yeah. And then Pogo also. Um, Corrects her like on language and also, so I kind of feel like Pogo was more of like a father figure to them than Hargreaves was. Yeah, I feel like he was like another caretaker almost. Yeah. Like, I mean, he clearly was more the employee or servant of their father, but he also obviously had a hand in raising the kids. Right. But it seems kind of like he cares about them. He does. What is his game? What is Pogo's game? There's something. Like, I swear to God, there's well, something that he's doing One thing I realized during this scene, and it was in particular when she says, like, she, I think she said shit or damn or something, and he was language. Right. Which, one, made me think of the Avengers um, in Ultron when Tony Stark says something and um, Captain America says language, and it's just really funny. Yeah. Let me think of that. <clears throat> but anyway, Pogo's not in any of the flashbacks we've seen so far. There's all these flashbacks, and Mom's in the flashbacks, and all the kids are in the flashbacks, but Pogo isn't in any of them. Clearly, they all grew up with him, but he's not in any of these flashbacks. Is Pogo a tra- time traveler? Well, now I'm stumped because I just assumed he was kept in a like broom closet or something. <laughs> no, but what? what yeah, you... but he's not in any of these flashbacks, and you would think because he's such a clearly a big part of their childhoods that he would show up more. And I mean, obviously, we're only into the second episode, so we could see more. I don't remember ever seeing him in any of the flashbacks. I would have to. Yeah. So I I feel like I'm gonna have to keep track of this as we go forward. But it just it came to me when I was writing these notes. Pogo sightings. (laughs) Be like a bigfoot. Past Pogo sightings. Past Pogo. (laughs) 
PPS, past Pogo sightings. <laughs> um, so, so Allison wants to know how Pogo knew she was upset, or she was upset, and he says that Vanya told him that she was upset before Vanya left. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, you know, come with me. I've got something to show you. And right. so she puts out her cigarette, and he tells her, and he's like, make sure you put that out. The house right. She down. runs back and puts it out. Uh-huh. <laughs> All the way. Yeah. And then he shows her just stacks and stacks of videos and the, all these screens and monitors from all of Sir Reginald's surveillance, right. which apparently she didn't know about and wasn't right. really so creeped out much, by. How much of this house have they not explored? Right? I mean, it's a really small room. It's like the size of our kitchen. It's tiny. But, yeah. it, you know. Oh, it's smaller than that. I, I feel like there's not a whole lot smaller than our kitchen. So. <laughs> okay. Point taken. But... I personally, if I found out that my father had been videotaping my siblings and I for how many years in every room of our house, I'd be super creeped out, even if he was already dead. But she's just like, oh, look at us. We were so little. And she's like so excited to see them. Now, she is seeing like home movies, essentially, surveillance videos, Mm -hmm. you know, of Ben and and all of them when they were young. So I imagine that would be exciting since her brother was dead. Vanya is always by herself, which Allison notices. And she even says, like, yeah. yeah, she even talks about how, like, we always left her alone like what was wrong with us mm-hmm. and Pogo's like oh you were kids like off the hook and she's like mm, no we, yeah, we shouldn't right. have treated her that way this isn't right yeah and, um then she finds the black tape right mm-hmm. yeah he tells her that he's gonna go and she can keep watching as long as she wants make sure she locks the door because things have been going missing mysteriously mm-hmm. um you know, Klaus and um <laughs> and there's more in the cabinet and he's like very leading he's like check out the videos in this cabinet here as I mysteriously walk out of the room and um do you notice he doesn't wear shoes no he doesn't wear shoes. I hadn't noticed that before. It makes sense, though. I mean, he's got a three-piece he, he, he suit is on. an ape. Why would he wear shoes? He's got a three-piece suit, suit on. So. He's got, he got a three-piece suit on. He's got, like, the... the um, he has little glasses. He's got little tiny glasses. He's got a um, pocket watch. <laughs> he's got even, like... I'm pretty sure he's got a, a, a pocket square. But, but he, no shoes. But no shoes. Interesting. Um, he did make sure to mention during this that Sir Reginald stopped recording years ago. There's nothing new here. Don't even look. And then she finds a brand new video after mm-hmm. after Pogo case. leaves in a black case. Up on top yep. of the stuff. And so she pops it in and it just shows, her, it doesn't show what's on the video, but it shows her face. And she's very clearly shocked by whatever it is she found. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, Dad? And so right. it's clearly something what to do with to Sir Dad? R. So this is a question, I think. We don't, we don't find anything out, right? Mm-mm. No. So yeah. we they don't say what happens. Um, we... we I think we see that in the next episode, or at least I discuss it in the next episode. Oh, she gets in Luther, I think. Yeah, but that doesn't happen until after um, we flash to the department store that Five mm-hmm. was looking for, for whatever reason. We haven't found out why yet he's looking for this department store in, in particular. Gimbals. <laughs> Gimbals, you're right. Yes, that is Gim- Gimbal Brothers, mm-hmm. the department store. And so he's in the department store, and he's clearly like looking for something or someone, mm-hmm. and then it flashes to this bank of mannequins. And he walks up and he goes, Dolores, I've missed you so much. Right. So Dolores is a mannequin mm-hmm. that he was apparently with for 30 years yeah. and talks to. Right. And he starts talking to her and telling her how much he misses her. and It's been so lonely without her. And so I kind of like, I, I look at this like in the, in the eyes of a child, right? Who went to the future to an apocalypse by himself. And his mother is obviously an android, which we found out last time. Mm-hmm. And then he finds a mannequin that maybe, possibly, Might kind of feels her a little. Yeah, yeah, kind of feels the same way she felt. And he named her Dolores, and that was his buddy. Sure was. All right, and then <laughs> another one of my favorite parts of this Hazel episode. Hazel and Cha Cha show up. But first, "Don't Stop Me Now" by Queen starts yeah. playing. <laughs> One of my favorite songs. I was super excited when this right, started playing right. because it means something exciting is going to happen. Right. And, and uh, it does. And uh, Hazel and Chacha show up and they're wearing fun masks. Yeah. Or crazy masks, you know, whatever. I think, I um, think fun masks. Hazel's a bear, Chacha's a dog, but they're these huge, like. I thought it was a rabbit. Pink rabbit. I think. Rabbit? I think Maybe. it's a rabbit. I don't know. Anyway. They're pink, they're weird, they're these huge bulbous heads. Yeah. Which <sighs> seem to, like, be, like, defy the bounds of physics because occasionally like they'll you know 
they, they look do, soft, they but do, they're like, not they soft. It's at some very point. weird. Um, All right, we're back. Sorry about that, guys. There, uh, we have a train that goes through uh, next to our house. Um, at the most inconvenient times, so we decided to pause it instead of making you subject you to uh, all of that noise. Um, anyway, we were talking about the the mask, the mask defying physics, or yes. being able to deflect bullets in the very least. Yeah, which we see a little bit more later in this particular scene because they like pop out of the dark, and this is like some fantastic piece of cinematography so they come out of the dark um there's obviously some lights but it's nighttime in a department store so most everything is dark mm-hmm. um and they come out and they're you know shadow like creepy masks all in the shadows and then they start firing these big guns i i don't know anything about guns it looks like some kind of assault rifle of some sort I don't know. automatic machine gun thing whatever um yeah. and the the flashes from the guns firing light up the masks so that's when oh, you actually yeah. see them. Mm-hmm. And it kind of like gives like, the, it, there's like a freeze frame for a second. So you can see them. And then it goes back to them shooting at five. Right. Dolores is hit. Five is very upset. He says, oh shit, it's them. Um, so clearly he knows who they are and what they're doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not confused at all. Um, and he um, grabs a garden trowel. Right. Um, has a little serrated edge and starts fighting with that. And mm-hmm. he starts, you know, doing his... Just thing. being a super badass. Oh yeah, he hits them both several times. You see blood spurt, which makes me wonder how how much can these guys take? Like they don't even slow down when he's like. I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> like it's it's. Uh, I don't know. They must be genetically engineered, or, right? Who knows? It's crazy. Augmented in some way. But so then he grabs Dolores and starts to you know run to try to escape. Um, while they're looking for him in the department store, because he's you know he's hiding behind racks of clothes and everything. You see Hazel find a um, wrist splint, and he's oh, like, right. "Oh, finally!" He's yeah. like, <laughs> "Like you know, they're in the middle of assassinating what appears to be a thirteen-year-old kid, and he finds a wrist splint. And he's just like, "Oh, freaking thank God!" Yeah, he's like, "So, so happy it, it's kind of it. like it's kind of like." Um, their job is just like same old, same old. Like, yeah, they're just like this is what we do. Like you know, if I had been Time like an donuts. exterminator or something like that in <laughs> a store and walked by, I was like, oh, I just need this, you know, mundane pair of underwear or something like that. It was pretty, <laughs> pretty funny. But so then, after Five grabs Dolores and tries to run away, he tries to bamf, and I can't quite tell if he's trying to time jump or if he's just trying to jump through space. And get out, but he can't. Mm-hmm. Um, right. This is uh, this will be the second time this episode we've seen. Yeah, at the very beginning, that he can't bam. And then now, and I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with his emotions, or if he runs out of energy, or maybe it's because he has Dolores with him and he's not able to take something or someone with him. Yeah, I don't know. Um, someone being the mannequin, Dolores. You know. Um. <laughs> but maybe in his yes. mind, she's not clearly she's not if they were having like physics conversations and things like that about time travel um and then cha-cha and hazel just barely messing me hides he's um hiding behind their cash register so they don't see him with dolores Mm -hmm. and then the police show up yeah um and cha-cha and hazel take off yeah oh and this is where and then we go to um the truck driver yes detective patch finds him i now have him down as Sid. Oh, interesting. So I'm wondering if his name is Sid and he works for Ishmael's towing company. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Okay. I think that's what it is. Yeah, so his name is um, Sid. We find him electrocuted. Mm-hmm. Yep, and so Patch finds him because um, Agnes had mentioned it to Detective Patch also about the name of the um, towing company. And so she's there, she finds him, and then on her radio she hears about a shooting at the department store. Mm-hmm. And it shows Diego in his bed, in his lair. Um hearing the same thing because apparently right. he has a police scanner so he jumps up and runs out as well yeah yeah and then we flash to the house mm-hmm. and these scenes are really fast they're yeah this all happens in like the last five-ish minutes of yeah. the episode it's very yeah. quick um luther comes home and allison is meet, meets him near the door or in the house somewhere mm-hmm. luther i just find it every, every time Luther is trying to be a leader. Like, oh, I went and, like, went and checked out Diego. Yeah, and Allison's like, what the hell? And Allison's like, no. Allison's like, that's not what happened. Like, that's not anything. And she, like, leads him. So it's kind of like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like every person in the family gets their chance to lead Luther instead of Luther leading anybody. Like, I find him so ineffectual as a leader. Every time he's in a scene with Allison, just seems starstruck by her. 
Right. I mean, she's beautiful, and clearly they had something in the past. But my goodness, like he just like can't can't puppy function. Dog. Yeah, he's he's, just a, he's just a puppy dog. Yeah. I mean, at least he's a sweet puppy dog, I guess, and he's not as creepy as Leonard. So you know. I guess Yay, that's Luther. true. That's true. No longer my most hated character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we pop to the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. Um, b- before that, as Allison's telling Luther that she found some of the videos, Five like stomps by, like carrying. Oh Dolores. yeah, he's totally cut up and, and everything. Yeah, and she's like, "Hey, I found something." He's like, "I don't even care," and just like keeps walking. Right. Um, which also kind of, I mean, like, yes, he just you know escaped with his life from Cha Cha and Hazel, but also like she just found something. He's trying to stop the apocalypse. Why wouldn't he stop and ask his sister what she found? Like, it's kind of you know. Uh, I think I think he got just got his like. His comfort blanket, like psychic cover, cover blanket. <laughs> he found Dolores, and you know it's like to him. I mean, thirty years he's been with this entity, and <laughs> and like he just got her back. Like, why would anything else matter at this point? True. And I mean, I mean, and if you if you know how to time travel, like, what does it matter when anything else happens? Like, you could always just go back. True, but he's so worried about saving his family. Is he worried about saving them at this point? Well, he talks about how, you know, like, how he spent all of his time trying to get back to his family. Like, so clearly they're very important to him. Not as important as Dolores. Well, apparently not. I mean, mean, they were together for 30 years, so. He was with his family for 13 years, and he was with Dolores for 30. (laughs) I mean, it's not really, to me, it's not that big of a, like, I would like if I had been like I don't know it, it just it just seems like I would if I had to got Dolores back I'd be like screw <laughs> anything peace else. out I'm busy <laughs> yeah like I'm gonna go you know do whatever we're, we're gonna go chat yeah. uh, so yeah so then they we five has his future flashback because mm-hmm. it's his past but is the world's future um, right. to the rubble of the house and this is where he finds the bodies of his siblings as adults mm-hmm. so um, clearly what he's seeing is present day or almost present day um and that's when he finds this bloody eye the bloody prosthetic eye yep, in luther's luther hand holding, yeah mm-hmm. so luther was good for something yeah right for tearing someone's eye out yeah and um and all of the academy is dead yep except he wasn't there yeah five wasn't there the rest of them were mm-hmm. were all dead Obviously, I mean, he went and there. i mean but imagine how traumatic that must have been so aside from the fact that being 13 and you jump so far ahead into the future that you can't get back but then finding your whole family just in buried in this rubble. Mm-hmm. But what they also, they only show his siblings. They don't show Sir Reginald. There's no Pogo. He doesn't see mom. It's just his siblings that he finds. Right. Um, and they're all kind of scattered about in there's the, no in the house either. either. No other humans either. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that is the end of the episode. Yeah. Again, we, you know, more questions than answers at this point. I feel like we got a better insight into some of the characters and just like the family dynamics mm-hmm. and um yeah just little tiny snips into the into the the um what makes each person tick yeah and i feel like for you know the next episode going forward like the big questions are you know what what happened yeah. <laughs> is gonna always be the question right. but also like what was on the video that allison found right um uh, what PPSs. is PPSs. Past Pogo. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so sorry. I forgot sightings. our... Yes. Past Pogo, Past Pogo sightings. sightings in the flashbacks. And then the big one, who is Leonard and why is Leonard? Because he's so annoying and creepy. Right. And right. <laughs> I want to know more about him, but I don't want to know more because I already get a vibe from him. And what is on that sticky note? Creepy weirdo. Yes, the sticky note. Yeah. Got to find out more about that too. <laughs> Super right. curious. Right. So is that it? That is all that. of my notes. All right, guys. And that was the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, we're really enjoying doing this. Um, if you guys uh, want to drop us a line, um, you can uh, hit us up on our email address, um, kn.umbrella at gmail.com. Um, please like and subscribe. Thank you so much.